0: Chapter Twelve of Anglo-American Memories by George Washburn Smalley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: William Lloyd Garrison, A Critical View. In explaining why Wendell Phillips was the target for every shot in the winter of 1860-61, I said it was because he was the real leader of the anti-slavery party during all the later and more critical years of the long struggle for freedom no doubt garrison at one time held the first place among the abolitionists he was the first of them in time or one of the first he had had the good fortune to be mobbed and led through the streets of boston with a rope about his body he had founded a weekly paper the liberator georgia had offered five thousand dollars reward for his arrest he had unflinching courage and needed it all in the thirties and later but he had very moderate abilities his force was a moral force he had convictions and would go to any length rather than surrender any one of them but he had almost no other of those gifts and capacities which make a leader he had no organizing power he was not a good writer he was not a good speaker he could not hold an audience he could not keep the attention of the public which he had won in the beginning he did not attract to the abolitionist ranks the ablest of the men who were ready to make a fight against slavery they did not care to serve under garrison under a leader who could not lead they went into politics so it happened that the abolitionists had become a dwindling force if phillips had not entered on the scene with his wonderful oratory his natural authority on the platform and off his brilliant love of battle, his temperament, at once commanding and sympathetic, his persuasive charm. The abolitionist would have been well-nigh forgotten. He had all the moral force of Garrison, and the intellectual force which Garrison had not. Phillips himself would never allow this to be said if he could help it. He recognized Garrison as leader, and was perfectly loyal to him. So far as he could, he imposed his own view on the public it was so abroad as well as at home when garrison came to london a meeting was held in st james hall in his honour mr bright spoke and others spoke hailing the worn-out champion as the herald of american emancipation which perhaps he was boston which has periods of generous penitence gave him thirty thousand dollars others than bostonians paying part of the money and accepting a bronze statue and put it up i forget where it has ever since been the fashion to recognise garrison as the moral educator of the north on the slavery question the schoolmaster of his period very possibly my liking for phillips warped my opinion at the time but now after all these years i think myself impartial i had a knowledge of the situation if it is a wrong view why was phillips and not garrison the shining mark at which the pro-slavery people aimed in those critical years from 1854 to 1861 no other theory will explain that When I used to express an impatient opinion of Garrison, and of Phillips' submission to him, I was rebuked for it. Said Phillips, You are unjust, and you do not know the facts, or you do not make allowance for them. Like other young men you are of to-day, Garrison's work had been done before you were old enough to know anything about it, and he is for all time i don't say that there would have been no abolitionist movement but for garrison since abolition was in the air and the anti-slavery fight had to be fought it would have been fought in a different way without him and perhaps later you underrate the moral forces and garrison's capacity as a leader he was a leader and is intellectual gifts do not make a leader the soldier whom other soldiers follow into the breach and to death need not be a great captain nor understand the art of war what he understands is the art of getting himself killed and of inducing the men behind him to do the same garrison took his life in his hand for many years he was leader of a forlorn hope he held extreme views he had to hold them he drove men away from the abolitionist camp they were better elsewhere he was not a politician but politics were not what we wanted nor what the cause wanted what it wanted was inspiration and that's what it got from garrison i have put this in quotation marks but i do not mean that phillips said it all at once nor perhaps in these words but the passage reproduces as accurately as i can the substance of what i have heard him say in many talks about garrison i do not expect anybody to accept my view against phillips's but i must give my own right or wrong i saw something of garrison publicly and privately i had no dislike for him but neither had i any enthusiasm as i recall the impressions of those days it seems to me that i have never known a man of so much renown as garrison with so slight an equipment for the business of leadership or even of apostleship when i try to sum him up i am embarrassed by the want of material after all what did he say or do borrowing from isaiah a phrase of condensed passion garrison had called the constitution a covenant with death and an agreement with hell without isaiah's help he produced the only other phrase which out of all his writings and speakings has kept a place in the general memory i will not equivocate i will not excuse i will not retreat a single inch and i will be heard that was his pledge in the first number of the liberator it was finely said and well he kept it so long as it mattered what he kept i have often heard him speak i cannot recall one single effort of anything that could be thought oratory he was a tiresome speaker of rhetoric or of that art which goes to the making of good speeches he had no trace or tinge Between him and his audience there was no give and take. He just stood up on the platform and hammered away. He was a fanatic, pure and simple. He had a message to deliver, and he delivered it, as a gramophone delivers its messages. He was what they call a record. If he impressed his hearers, as he sometimes did, it was by the passionate fervour of his beliefs and of his animosities. He was at white heat more often he wearied them they got up and went away i suppose people read the liberator dr johnson said you could write anything if you set yourself to it doggedly and so it is of reading but the average reader feels himself entitled to a little help from the writer and from garrison he got none this however was in the early days of journalism it was ten years before horace greeley founded the new york tribune that the liberator was born a newspaper was then a newspaper whether it had any news or not and even when its editorials were written as the elder bennett said the new york herald editorials were written for men who could not read the printed page had an authority because it was printed an authority which hardly survived prince bismarck's epigram on the newspaper just printer's ink on paper the liberator was violent bitter prolix and dull but the puritan preachers were all this yet men sat contentedly for hours beneath their intolerable outpourings as do the scotch to this day carlyle had heard irving preach for hours on end i have sometimes had to sit under the scottish preachers when staying at a highly ecclesiastical house on these occasions i used to dream that i was reading the liberator or listening to garrison in the boston melodion the a priori method was common to both and the absence of accurate knowledge they did not master their subjects nor their trade as to what garrison did i am quite willing to accept the history of his time as it is commonly told i take all that for granted all his services to the anti-slavery cause and with all drawbacks they were great still i do not think they explain his immense fame he was a captain in the army of the lord if you like but a captain who won no battles there was one final victory based on a long series of defeats a victory in which he had a share though not a great share perhaps a better saint than captain but in rome's long catalogue of the canonized how many first-rate names are there you can become a saint quite cheaply if you know how there are fifty or more huge volumes of the acta sanctorum mostly lies yet extremely interesting as examples of the use to which the human imagination can be put for ecclesiastical purposes a benedictine labour ere yet science had shaken the foundations of clerical fairy tales by its demand for evidence the acutest minds accepted them so late as the nineteenth century they were still accepted after his conversion newman perhaps the finest mind of his time swallowed whole all the fictions to which the church of rome had given the imprimatur of infallibility garrison's exploits are less legendary but are they much more substantial his fame rests on generalities to look at he was neither soldier nor saint he had not on the one hand the air of command nor on the other the sweetness or benignity we expect from one of the heavenly hosts his face was both angry and weak his attitude on the platform was half apologetic and half passionate his speech at times was almost shrewish it was never authoritative though always self-complacent so was the expression of his face with its smile which tried to be amiable and succeeded in being self-conscious there was no fire in his pale eyes if there had been his spectacles would have dulled it he stooped and his most vehement appeals they were often extremely vehement came to you sideways it was an unlucky effect for there was nothing shifty or crooked in the man's nature but he had a role to play isaiah if you like and played it as well as his means would allow it was the indomitable honesty of the man which gave him such authority as he had that is not a bad eulogy in itself bad or good nothing i can say will diminish his reputation nor do i wish it should when a legend has once grown up around a man it keeps on growing it has been decreed that dickens shall be a great novelist and gladstone a great statesman and browning a great poet and herbert spencer a great philosopher each of these men was great in other ways but the legend is invincible so no doubt with garrison he will remain the liberator of the slave by the time the cold analysis of history reverses that verdict personal partialities will have ceased to count chapter twelve